Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 4 to 6 with AMB is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Ohio State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also find great deals on Browns, Cavs, and Blue Jackets tickets. It doesn't get any easier than a two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to six, A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to the latest edition of 4-6 to six with A&B. Ohio State had another bye week. This weekend, I wish there was a third one. There are there. They have two more the next two weeks. <laughs> we have to go to those bye weeks. There's a place to attend uh, for those bye weeks. Come watch the bye. Um, I'm here with my main man, Bill Landis, who I always refer to as my main man. This is the latest edition of Four to Six with A and B. This is the free edition. Wanted to thank you all for being here with us. Um, if you have not done this yet, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, and of course. Subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. You get 40% off promo code. We'd love to have you there. Um, a lot of big news this week. Uh, Willie Tagger got fired. Ohio State is now the odds-on favorite to win the national championship. Urban Meyer owns land uh, <laughs> in and around the USC campus. That's made up, but, you know, we'll believe anything you want to believe. And, you know, we've got a lot to discuss about coaches, coaching circles, Ohio State coaching trees and different things with all the news coming out we got a pretty packed show for you which is great considering the fact that on this specific bye week literally nothing happened um in the national landscape unless you count the georgia florida game um to impact anything that we've been talking about for the past few weeks so um talking about clemson smoked wofford they didn't cover great teams cover teams cover um bill was yes. so entertained by the amazing college football slate on Saturday that you were watching high school. No, high no, school no. was that high schools? That wasn't high schools. That was uh, that was the Pennsylvania State. I think it's the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference PSAC. That was Division Two Pennsylvania football. Westchester uh, against Kutztown. Who won? <laughs> I have no idea. I turned the game off, but I flipped it on just because it said like college football. I wanted to see what was on, so I flipped it on because I was in Pittsburgh for the weekend and. Uh, the quarterback on Westchester, and I knew this, but I had forgotten it. The quarterback that was playing Westchester 
playing for Westchester on TV. It was like the son of a guy that my dad grew up with and was like super close friends with and still is. And I was like, oh, yeah. Can I believe that you turned it off? Uh, I flipped on the Michigan uh, Maryland slaughter to get so a, another to get Division a, Two game to get a pre- <laughs> to get a preview of what it's going to look like this week for Ohio State. Yeah, um, forty-four point favorite. I guess we can get the gambling stuff out of the way first. Yeah, real quick. Um, forty-four point favorite. I think everybody knows that a home game against Maryland is going to be a blowout. Uh, there's no upset alert. We're not even going to play that uh, look ahead game crap this week. Trap. But would you bet the spread? I would not bet the spread. I'm trying to look up the stat that I tweeted out on uh, on Sunday. So, Do you want me to vamp again? No, oh, I got it. <laughs> if you want to sing. <laughs> These <laughs> eyes. You guys, uh, for those of you who aren't subscribed to The Athletic and missed the bonus show last week, you missed Ari's singing voice. So you have that to look forward to if you go to theathletic.com slash 4-6 and sign up. Uh, Ohio State has been a 40-point or more favorite uh, five times since 2010. It is two and three against the spread in those games. Uh, the wins, or the covers, I should say, were in 2013 against Florida A&M and 2010 against Eastern Michigan. The last three times they've been a 40-point or more favorite, they've lost. It was, or they've not covered, excuse me. It was uh, 2015 against Hawaii, 2017 against UNLV, and 2017 against Illinois. Um, Maryland is not good. We have plenty of examples of that, but I don't think I'd take 44 is a lot even for Ohio State, even for as well as Ohio State's playing right now. And in theory, they'd be up so comfortably that maybe Ryan Day would actually rest the the starters and get some guys in. So I would not take that. It's not a matter of whether or not they could cover the spread. It's just a matter of whether they want to keep the gas down. I mean, they could be Maryland by 80 if they wanted to. It could be 77-0. You know, it's just like, to me, if you're going to gamble on a game like this, you might as well just go play blackjack because I don't know if there's any real – you know, sometimes when you – usually when you bet on games, you're supposed to feel like, hey – you know, this is what's going to happen. I've got a very good feel on this. But once you get into the, the territory where you don't even know who's going to be on the field or how hard they're going to be trying in the fourth quarter, you're one weird pick six from Chug. Not that he ever would throw a pick six, but one weird pick six away from not covering. We do um, know Maryland. What the Maryland you say Maryland did at the end of that game against Michigan? So, well, I mean, it wouldn't matter unless you bet the game live. And only an idiot would bet the game live. But um, Maryland was catching uh, 28 and a half live. Um around halftime and Maryland was down I think whatever it was it was more than 28 and they if they would have scored a touchdown they would have covered the 28 points but they got inside the 10 yard line and had two timeouts with like a few seconds left in the game and they just ran out the clock and they didn't even try to score they tried to score a touchdown so that my friends is why you don't bet on 44 point spreads <laughs> but let's get to the more interesting thing bill I wonder if they designed the spy week around all the top five teams not playing at once, but it felt like literally there was nothing to watch. Um, I mean, the SMU Memphis game was good. It was good. It was entertaining. Yeah. That was the sickest two point conversion play I've ever seen in my life. I didn't see it live. I watched it the next morning because I fell asleep. Um, but then I saw it, and then I had visions in my head of Dewan Jones scoring a touchdown on a play like that, and I hope it happens. He's got one more game to play with. Let him score a touchdown. There have been a lot of two-point conversion situations for Ohio State in the past. To have that play in your back pocket, that one two-point conversion play where it's like universally going to work regardless of who the opponent is, that would be like a – unless the lineman dropped it, which I guess is kind of a thing, that sure. would work. If you could master that one play and just said, if we ever absolutely have to have a two-point conversion, this is the play we're running, 
I think every coach should have that, and I feel like no coaches do for some reason. Ohio State had it when they played Purdue when they went the overtime. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. That uh, play should be run in games, too. This, was like, this play, if you didn't see the SMU-Memphis uh, game, was basically like a sprint out to the right and then a throwback to, I guess it was a tackle-eligible player. And the guy, my man was like 320 pounds rumbling into the end zone. Three yards behind the line. I think it was actually technically a run. Yeah. I don't know. Or it was a screen. Whatever you want to put. But he called it, and he just like he could have walked into the end zone. It had a receiver lead blocking for an offensive tackle. It was beautiful. But – the main point here I think we're trying to get to is now Ohio State is now the favorite to win the national championship. It's 2-1. to one. Um, I don't know what it was on Bet AG, but um, statistically speaking, in Las Vegas, Ohio State is the team that has the best chance to win the national championship. And I want to know, do you think that that makes sense? Does it make sense to me that Ohio State's the favorite right now, the betting favorite? Because um, that's like, to me, more than anything, that's the most telling thing. You could say, who's going to be the number one team in the rankings? Who do you think has the best chance? And all the, But like when the, the statistics are plugged in and whatever it is that they do to come up with the perfect mathematical equations to figure out who is – I mean, that's like BCS on steroids. Yeah, I mean, they're, play, they're playing better than anyone in the country. And I know there's a lot of discussion out there about how much merit you should – put behind that because of Ohio State's schedule. Um, and I think some of that is warranted, although I would argue that Ohio State's schedule, if it, even though it might be light, light on top-ranked opponents, um, they played some decent teams, and the, the overall record of its opponents is pretty good. Uh, but it's about, it's mostly about how you're playing, and the fact that they're top 10 in offense and defense and top 5 or 6, I think, in yards per play on both sides of the ball, outscoring teams by, was it, 30 points, um, outgaining opponents by like 300 yards. Um, all that makes sense to me. That 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 looks like those. That's the profile of a team that I think should be the national title favorite. When you pile into that, also the results of some of the teams it's played against. And I don't just don't think you know Alabama and LSU and Clemson, and I guess Penn State. You want to include them in that conversation? Georgia, Oklahoma, all these other teams you, you would realistically include in the conversation for who makes the playoff and who could win the national title. They just haven't looked as impressive for as long as Ohio State has. And granted. A team like LSU has played better competition, or at least that the top end, its top end wins are better than Ohio State's. Um, but I've we've talked about it basically every week whether or not we think Ohio State's the best team in the country. I think we both agree that they are. So it makes sense to me that they'd be the favorite. I do find the timing interesting with LSU and Alabama about to play each other. Uh, you would think that whoever comes out of that, the winner, would be considered the favorite. But that's part of it because yeah. if you don't know who's going to win, that's part of it. It's probably going to change once that game's over. With the fact that that's ahead of you and it's a coin flip of a game means that betting on them is going to be a problem. So that's why I think that's that factors into it. So wouldn't you wait then? Yeah, well, if well, you wait then in the team that you want to if you think that the But wouldn't you and if, like with and I granted I might sound like a jackass here cuz I don't really understand betting. Yeah, let's do it. If uh if you wait if the odds are going to change after Alabama and LSU play each other and you want to put money on Ohio State to win the national championship, wouldn't you wait because you I mean, I'd wait. I wouldn't put money on a team in the beginning of November at 2 to 1. That those are terrible odds. 2 to 1? That's what I'm saying. Like in theory, like 2 to 1, one is just bad. I wouldn't pick 2 to 1 on anyone to win the national championship yeah. in November. Yeah. I mean, that's not a very good payout. I mean, you could wait till Ohio State's playing Penn State and if they're losing 10 nothing in the first quarter, you can get 2 to 1 on them to win the game. Like Two to one is like crazy to me. That's like a very, very high favorite. What were they before the season? I think they were like twenty-five to one, or no, like eight to one or nine to one. It doesn't have it here. I think they might have been eight to one. Um, 
The other, uh, like Clemson, yeah, Ohio. This, I'm looking at bet online. Maybe you should look at your thing because yours thing may be a little more reliable. What's my thing? The odds for the national championship. You're not looking <laughs> no, at bet online. No. Um, yeah, so Alabama's plus two twenty, two point two to one. Um, Clemson is plus three hundred. Ohio State's plus two hundred. LSU's plus four hundred. And then Georgia is the next one in line, and that's plus eleven hundred. Hmm. You know, maybe a good value bet probably is Oklahoma plus twenty five hundred if you. Think that they're going to get into the playoff, but I don't think that Alabama, uh, Oklahoma could beat any of the other three. I don't think they could either. But put a toss a few shuckles out there, and maybe Jalen Hurts plays out of his mind. Yeah, I, I. It's getting to the point now where this is becoming real. It's like you, you, you at the beginning of the year we talk about how's this team look, and well, they look really good, or could this thing come together? Could if things go the right way, could they actually be one of the national championship contenders? You know, and that's kind of how we gauge them year round, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're getting to the point in the season where they're sitting at eight and zero, they're winning by a hundred points a game. They have a very favorable schedule coming up in the next few weeks before they have a hard part of their schedule to determine it. But Ohio State is legitimately a real life contender and the favorite. So now it's like the entire psyche of this team shifts. They can't play the. Uh... Can they still play the no one believes in us card now if they're the odds on favorite to win the national title? They should just put up some people's preseason predictions of 9-3 and three and, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Michigan, I, I always think that Michigan stuff is so overrated win. anyway. Yeah. I oh, I don't know. I always think that stuff's overrated. It is interesting, but I do think – I think I think on some level, like, finding your edge matters for a team that's, that's trying to do what Ohio State's trying to do. I don't think it's the most important thing, obviously, but I think it matters on some level, and I wonder when – you did have people that doubted you. Like, oh, Ohio State says every year, like, oh, people people doubt us. Like, it's not really true. This year it was kind of true. And they're 8-0. You know, they've killed everybody. Um, I think there's some validity to the fact that they're that somewhere buried deep down, part of their motivation and part of the reason they're playing so well is because they were eager to prove whatever that preseason narrative was wrong. But now it's totally flipped. Now everyone's like, oh, yeah, Ohio State's the best team in the country again, and now they're the favorite. I just wonder how that might play with the team psyche a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I think it makes the most difference is the opposite. The year after you win it all. When it comes to like that underdog mentality. Yeah. I think when obviously football is a very mental game and motivation is a thing that is crucial, but like to me the number one motivation what's every time for a kid who's playing college football is to play the best to become a millionaire. And it's like, there's no stronger motivation than that. I don't care if somebody tweeted at you or somebody predicted in Athlon magazine that you were going to lose four games. You should be playing your best football every time you're on the field because somebody's watching it and it's going to have an impact on your future, potentially a huge impact on your financial future. But when a team loses its edge competitively, we saw it at Ohio state in 15. I think we might be seeing it a little bit with Clemson now, once you've already accomplished the thing that is like almost impossible to accomplish, and then you come back, that fire, that energy, that it's just not there. And I, I, I buy that. Yeah, I don't so buy I, that Ryan Day has to approach his team, or you know his pregame locker room speeches, or anything that he does in his team meetings differently now that they're the favorite in Vegas to win. I think that they need to approach it the same way that they do, unless you think that this team didn't think they were going to be in this position. And, you know, I don't know. Do you think they need, they need to, like, coach this team up to not buy the hype? Because it seems uh, to I me that they, the I think they are doing that, and I think Ryan Day like admitted as much the last time we talked to him. But I don't know 
how much of a change that is. I guess the hype didn't really exist at the beginning of the season, so you couldn't coach him up on that, but I don't think there's like any kind of radical change coming for Ryan Day. The one thing I will say, though, is there's no feel-good with this team yet. Like, Ryan Day won't even take a minute to be like, this is cool. Like, and I do get a sense that Ohio yeah. State is in a position right now where it does feel like they've proven nothing yet. I and I true. think that's the right way to be at this point, and there will be plenty of time to celebrate if and when they, they get to that point. But I do think that... Ryan Day is in a very interesting position because everybody loves him right now. Ohio State's in a national championship, but I don't think he's naive enough to know that if somehow Ohio State lays an egg against Penn State or if things go off the rails in this season, how quickly that stuff can flip, which Mm -hmm. is probably going to be a good segue now to the other things that we're going to be talking about. But I think that he's been very mature as a 40-year-old first-year head coach to understand how fragile this is. And I get the sense in his press conferences and being around him and even interactions I've had with him after games that he is like completely locked in. And I think that the team can take the personality of the head coach. Yeah, I think that's true too. And I think it, it, it it's, a benef- it's a benefit to him in hindsight. It wasn't in the moment that he was around in 17 and 18 when they lost some games they shouldn't have lost. I think that helps create and how that real mindset. that is. Yeah, and how, like, yeah. how, how the, the crash from that is is very real, and I think he saw that. And like Ohio State rebounded for the most part from both of them. It was a little, it was too little, too late in terms of getting to the playoff. But you don't want to put yourself in that position, and I think he knows that. Yeah, because it wasn't real before the last two years. It like literally never happened for the previous twenty. Losing in that way. Yeah. Losing in that way so to a team, team like that. Yeah. You know, in 04, people go, what happened in 04? It's like, well, 04, Ohio State wasn't very good. It just wasn't a good team. So, you know, that doesn't count. I'm talking about a team that good, losing to a team that inferior by that much has never happened in Ohio State history. So, anyway, Ryan Day is not on the chopping block yet, but Willie Taggart is. And I don't know if we want to spend much time at Florida State's um, situation, but I do think that it's relevant and just in the national scope of what we're going to get to. So first of all, were you surprised to see Willie Taggart fired? And where do you think that that program goes next? Uh, Not that we're experts, but we're going to get to why we're asking that. I question. mean, I was pretty, I, I was surprised to see him fired nine games into his second season, especially considering what it's going to cost Florida State to do it. It's like $20 million to give it to him and his staff, um, which is a lot of money to fire a coach and then have to hire a new one and a new staff. Um the way they were playing, the way they, they lost to Miami, um, I guess it was it was inevitable. Um, so, no, ultimately I wasn't surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised that Florida State's looking for a new coach. I'm surprised they're looking for a new coach right now. Um, I think it's still a good job. I think it's I think it's still a top – it's definitely a top 10, top 15 job, I think. Multiple coaches have won national championships there, and there's not a lot of other programs you can say that about. It's obviously in a good recruiting base. I know that – you know the administration side of things looks to be a little shaky without being an expert on it, and other programs recruit Florida probably in a different way than they recruited Florida when Florida State was in its heyday. But I think it's a place where you can win a lot of games, and I think it's still a place to go in a national championship. So it's it's one of the top ten, fifteen ish jobs in the country. You know what was most surprising to me about that whole thing? It's not so much that he's fired or that he's gone, or the fact that they were losing the way that they lost. It was the attendance numbers. Like, I don't know if you paid any attention to that part I of the I saw story. The, the reporting that um, Andy Staples and Tashawn Reed were doing on the, some of that yeah. stuff and the money that's involved that Florida State was losing because crowds were diminishing by the week because people had checked out on Willie Taggart and what they were doing there. So, so uh, Doak Campbell Stadium has a capacity of 80,000. And last week for the Miami game, which is supposedly, like when I was a kid, that was like one of the that's best rivalries. That yeah. was it. 54,000. And I'm trying to think. That's pretty crazy. 
what would have to happen at Ohio State for Ohio State. And that's State probably not even accurate. That might be – is that 54,000 reported or yeah, 54,000 54, reported? Scan? Yeah, it could have actually been lower than that. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like 54,000. But what would have to happen at Ohio State for the Michigan game at home to only have 72,000 people in it? Uh, an earthquake. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, but that just kind of brings us to the coaching carousel that is college football. And we're going to get to our thoughts because people think that Urban Meyer is going to USC again. Well, I, I think it's Urban's name is mentioned with Florida State, too, which is why we were even mentioning Florida State. Urban's name is going to come up whenever any marquee job opens and Florida State's open and it certainly looks like USC is going to open. Um, then it's just a matter, like, uh, it's a matter of whether or not we think he take either of those jobs where we think he's at, which of those two, if he were actually interested in coming back in the coaching, would be the most attractive to him. Um, I don't think in the end it'd be Florida State at least compared to USC, just talking hypothetical situation if everyone was actually interested in getting back and coaching and had his choice of those two jobs, I think he'd take USC and not think twice about it. Um, because a thing that people I don't take into account enough with Urban, aside from his health issues, aside from where he's at in his life, which I think people are totally off base on too, is the fact that he values stability within the athletic department and within the university administration, which I know might sound crazy in hindsight given what happened at Ohio State last year. But it matters to him, and Florida State doesn't seem to have very much of it. So I don't, I don't. And Ohio State had a lot, has and had stability wasn't a problem. I think in the athletic department, Gene Smith and Urban were always and are still very much aligned. Which I mean, we're talking athletic director, and he used to talk about it all the time, right? And Urban and his AD Jeremy Foley at Florida were very much aligned. Like it is very important to Urban, both in from what he said and how he's acted. when he was a head coach, that that he and his AD be aligned in that way. And um, the AD at Florida State already put his foot in his mouth by saying they wouldn't hire Urban Meyer if Willie Tiger got hit by a bus or whatever, a car or something. So It was a bus. I don't think you can – I don't know. You can't – even if you decided now you were interested in Urban, I don't think you can backtrack that. I think you. I think that ship has sailed, even if Urban was at one point interested in it, which I don't think he would be because of the mess that, that that school seems to be at the moment. You're listening to the, what is it, bi-weekly? Is that how you say it? I've always wondered what that is. Like the correct way to use bi-weekly. Twice a week. Does yeah. that mean twice a week or yeah. does that mean every other week? Bi-weekly, <laughs> four to six with A and B. Monday is the free episode. Listen to it on any platform. Uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And please, I'm just, I'm begging you here. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. And, of course, the reason why we're doing this is because we want people to also uh, enjoy the Friday, Thursday edition now um, of our podcast. That's uh, only to subscribers of The Athletic on Thursdays. Um, Give you an extra day. We used to do it on Fridays. Give you an extra day to kind of let that thing go um, into the game. 40% off. Theathletic.com slash 4-6. And that was a really well-timed segue because I want to get right into the Urban stuff. I don't think Urban Meyer would take the Florida State job if it was the only job left. Our, our producer, John, checked in, and he says he thinks bi-weekly means every two weeks. I'm looking, according to Google, it says it can be either or, two weeks or twice a week, which makes zero sense. Okay, here's what we're going to do. This happens twice a week. On Mondays, it's free to the world on wherever you get your podcast. On Thursday, it's on the Athletic app, subscriber only, bi-weekly. Sesquicentennial. I don't think he would take the job anywhere, Bill. You don't think? I he mean, would. I don't think he would take the job if Florida State were the only 
job open. I don't think that he's in a position right now where he's gonna he would just take anything to take it. I think that I if Urban Meyer is going to take a college football job, it's got to be perfect. He's got to be aligned with as an athletic director. It's got to be a desirable place for him to live. It's got to be a place where he feels like he can win and build and have an impact. And I have a really hard time because this is a man who I believe cares a lot about what people think of him. Absolutely. And I like could have a hard time imagining that he'd ever go coach Florida State just because of his past with Florida. I don't and, think I don't think Florida Florida State is realistic, and I, like there hasn't been when the new when the news was announced uh, yesterday. Like I had some tweets sent to me about like what does this mean for Urban? I don't think it means anything for Urban. I think if we're going to entertain the idea of whether or not Urban's going to coach next year, I think that conversation centers only on USC. Yeah, unless, I agree. Unless Notre Dame somehow opened up. I agree, 100%. Um, so I think we we haven't talked about Urban Meyer and his future on this podcast. Um, and I think we have a lot of thoughts about that. But the thing I want to know right now is let's let's play this game. If August, put yourself back in Bill Landis's mind in August. Okay. I'm asking you in August, will Urban Meyer be a head coach somewhere next year or ever again? What would you say? No. Ever again? Next year is no, and then ever again. Uh, no and yes. Okay. To me, mine would have been no and no. I think I'll coach again. Okay. Now we're going to speed up to November, whatever day it is. Bill. Fourth. November 4th. Will he be the coach of a program next year? I don't think so. But yes, he will coach again. I think he will coach again in a few years. He's got to get he's got to get his um, brain cyst figured out because it's not I don't it's not and this is just from like what is out there about it and what he said about it in the past. It's not the kind of thing where just like oh you take a few years off and it like it magically goes away. Like the second he gets back into coaching, it becomes an issue for him again. I'm sure it's still an issue for him on some level now. Um, and it probably requires surgery to get him to a place where he can coach again. Then I guess he has to figure out whether or not he wants to do that. I'm not saying he can't coach unless he gets surgery, um, but he kind of has made it sound that way, that in order to be himself and operate the way he needs to operate to run a program, he might have to. Um, and I don't think that's a situation or decision you make lightly. I think it takes a lot of discussion with your family and, and with yourself yeah. internally to figure all that out. And um, as far as I know, it hasn't happened because he's on TV every week. Um, so I think that's the, maybe the next step for him is to figure out how to manage that before he would get back into coaching, and I'm not sure that he's even It's almost a situation where you yet. have to say yes to the surgery before you can say yes to coaching, right? It just depends on what you want to be as a coach. If he can change himself, which I don't think is impossible, and go somewhere where you can win, maybe you're not a perennial national championship contender, but you can win, you're not um, – resigning yourself to being a perennial loser just because you want to coach football, but also there's not the urgency like there is here or there would be at USC to win a national championship every year and be on that kind of stage. If you can get past that and sort of change your thinking, then I think there is probably a world where he can be a head coach, not have to go through the the surgery he, he alluded to last year and still find a way to manage all that. But I think if you want to be Urban Meyer, master program builder, contend for national championships again, then I think it's something you have to consider. Okay. I disagree with a lot of things you just said. And this is the podcast. 
I don't think Urban Meyer would ever coach unless he was in a situation where they were supposed to or could win national championships. And I don't know if that's what you were saying, but I think that he he won't take a job unless you're saying that USC is a full step or two steps behind Ohio State in terms of what their expectations are right now. Um, but he's going to take a job to win a national title. Here's the thing about it, and neither have I have had a conver- neither you or I have had conversations with Urban about this. So I think it's important to get that on the table. We're just talking about what we have gathered in the our years covering Urban, what we observe, what we can infer from that stuff. Um, there have been a lot of stories written about Urban and what he's doing and what he thinks, um, what he thinks his future might be. He's never said he's not going to coach, but the one thing that he has gone on the record about talking and, and Doug wrote it, and I'm not sure if anybody else wrote it, was what like what Mac Brown did. Mac Brown went to UNC. Mac Brown's never going to win a national title at North Carolina, but he took some time off. He sort of recalibrated and went to North Carolina, and he seems happy there. He's going to be a, a, a savior of a program and be, be there to be the savior. You have to get bowl eligible and not get your ass kicked every year. I'm not saying Urban will do that, but I think he looks at that specific example and wonders if he can do that. And if he can do that, then I don't think he has to go to a place like USC. Or I don't think he's programmed that way. I don't think no. anybody – you can reprogram yourself. I don't think Mac Brown was programmed that way. Mac Brown was at Texas. I would be absolutely shocked if he had a situation like that. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked. I'm, I, if you ask me right now, will it happen? I would probably say no. I would say no, but I would not be absolutely shocked if – and I don't even know what the example of it would be. I'm trying to think in my head right now, like Cincinnati? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's a good example. If you just want to coach, if you just miss coaching and you want to get back in the ball and you can recalibrate yourself where it doesn't have to be national championship or bust every year, then I can see him finding a way to manage it. Yeah. But, again, if you ask me right now, will that happen? I would say no, but I also don't think it's impossible. Yeah, I, I, I just can't picture that. I mean, who knows? Like like you said, it's it's up to the man to figure out for himself. But I, I going back to August Ari, my answers were no, no. Now they are maybe and absolutely yes. Absolutely, absolutely that he yes, will coach, coach eventually. Him. And the more that this USC stuff gets banged into our heads, the more I kind of feel like it's a potential possibility. And I think that everything that you said makes sense. And to recalibrate what type of coach he is in terms of managing his ailment, his cyst in his head, it's not, you got to recalibrate your personality. It's not, the the cyst isn't inflamed from the stress of being in a situation where you have to win every game. The stress is from when his um, team fumbles the ball at their own 12 yard line because they missed the read. Oh, I disagree with that. I think it's all. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I think it's all. I, I thought think the whole stress thing, is stress is all encompassing. But I That's thought the that thing like the that everybody thing that always inf- said about him, he lived every day in that building like it was fourth and goal. Because that's how you have to live if you want to build a national championship. Yeah. Contender. But the reason why he collapsed on the sideline isn't because of the pressures of coaching at Ohio State. It's because no, he it's was. because he knows you can't lose. He said it a million times. You cannot lose. At I Ohio know. State. But the reason why the pain was inflamed in that moment is because blood rushed to his head because he was physically frustrated about something that happened on the field. Yeah. No, I know what I'm saying. It's exacerbated by the overarching idea that you cannot lose here. For sure. And I don't know. Obviously, there are going to be moments in any game, no matter what level you're at, where you're going to be upset or frustrated yeah. with your team. But I think it could, 
it's not as amplified at other places, which is an obvious thing to say. I think it is. it can become more manageable if – Every single day you're breathing football is not, we got to win, we got to win, we got to win, we got to win, or I'm going to get fired. But I think that we can agree in the sense that I don't think that he would go to USC to be the head coach at USC unless he does the surgery and gets it fixed. Because I don't think that he can, you say people can reprogram themselves, but Urban is the most competitive. No, I don't think you take the, I don't think the the reprogramming thing I'm talking about is separate from USC. If you're going to USC, you're going to USC to win national titles. You're going to be the Urban Meyer you've been for the last 15 years. That's different. I'm talking about... To me, that seems to be the more logical scenario than the other ones. Yeah, but then there's also the question of whether USC actually wants him, and there's conflicting reporting out there about that, too, that the university president doesn't want him, and there's other reporting that they made this recent AD hire for Mike Bone from Cincinnati, who hasn't been officially announced yet, but but the the thinking is that uh, it will be announced this week whether or not that hire was made because they want to go in a different direction or whether or not that hire was made because they want Urban and they think that Mike Bone is a guy who can get, who can get Urban to Los Angeles. My gut feeling when I saw that was, holy crap. There's a Cincinnati connection there. He went there, his son goes there. I, I just didn't know if – I don't know what their relationship is, but like when I thought that – when I saw that, that was the initial reaction that I, that I had when I saw that. There are far more obvious candidates they could have hired to be AD yeah. than Mike Bone if they were trying to make a play for Urban. Any of Gene Smith's former lieutenants, Pat Chun, uh, Martin Jarmond, um, Jeremy Foley, who I mentioned earlier, the former Florida AD, they could have hired him. Like, I think it's the AD hire matters if you're, tra- if you're a team that's trying to, to woo Urban. And it's not Mike Bone's a good AD from everything that I've seen. Um but I don't think that's not like an automatic like oh they hired him because they want to get Urban like I know. no I know I just mean that it, it it is an interesting twist in a saga. I think it's funny. I think it, I think it was a funny bit of happenstance that they ended up hiring a guy from Urban's alma mater where Urban's son goes. Urban's sister's a vice provost at University of Cincinnati. Urban was wearing a Cincinnati ring when he was on, on the set for yeah. Fox uh, for the Wisconsin game. Like Urban loves Cincinnati. Um. I don't know if he loves Mike Bone. I don't even. I don't know how much he knows Mike Bone. Yeah, other yeah. Know that he was the AD where his son went to school. Um, I didn't view that as a step one in going to get Urban Meyer because if that was the play, then I think they would have hired somebody different or at least tried to hire somebody different. Can we just talk hypothetically about USC for a second, though. Yeah. My thinking was always this: Why on earth would Urban Meyer voluntarily step down from a place like Ohio State where he already built it? It was already rolling. The 2017 class is what we know it is to be right now, right? Only to take a year off, go on a TV, and then start over somewhere else by having to build the program up. And the interesting distinction that I never really considered, and I talked to Andy Staples about this, and I've talked to you about this, is A, coaching is an addiction. They love it. They, they don't know who they are when they aren't coaching. And obviously, Urban Meyer was even frank in this time since retiring from Ohio State about trying to figure out how he can enjoy life again and kind of having things to feel passionate about when his entire life was invested in football. But do you think Urban Meyer enjoys the building process more, or do you think he enjoys the winning process? He enjoys the chase. So if it's the chase, which was hanging up, ironically, in the indoor practice facility, there are a lot of comparisons and parallels to USC right now that I could draw to Ohio State in 2012. It's a program that's moderately down. Ohio State was down for a year because of all the stuff that happened. 
but it's in a conference that is completely winnable by anybody who has a pulse. I think I think that is the major key difference between the two. I think I think the Big Ten in 2012 sucked, sucked, and the Pac-12, the Pac-12 sucks. No, but like the there wasn't sucks. But there wasn't an Oregon in the Big Ten when Urban got here. There yeah, wasn't no. a Utah in the Big Ten when Urban got here. I know, but those programs are not going to be what they are if Ohio. If, yeah, but if, you can't just pretend they don't. They don't automatically become bad as soon as you get here because Urban's in the conference now. I think I actually would. I would disagree with the, the I thought, yeah. comparison between the two conferences. I'm not saying that you can't go to USC and make it the top dog in the Pac-12 again very quickly because you can. But let's not pretend that the, the top end of the Pac-12, the is yellow brick road the from same where the top you, end of the Big yeah. Ten was in 2012. Okay, I, I can not. say I can say I can, I can concede that you're right. There was no Oregon. But Oregon isn't the Oregon that Chip Kelly ran. I'm not saying and it Utah is. Utah is, still a good is, is like Michigan State where they might have developed all their guys and they're a blip on the right. They're not gonna they're not a perennial top ten team. But even if they are, my only point is that their yellow brick road from where USC is right now to being a national champion contender is very short. Yep. Like honestly, I think that like if he took the job, they would be in the playoff in two years. I looked this up because I was just curious. Yeah. In the 2021 recruiting class, there are 15 top 150 national yeah. recruits in California, and 12 of them were, were within an hour drive of USC's campus. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. I just think that there is a there are parallels, whether or not they're exactly the same. That's better than here. Yeah. No, I don't think that anybody would think that Southern California or California in general isn't as talented or isn't more talented than the state of Ohio. It's a different type. Um, of passion and athlete, and there's other pro- colleges like Arizona State, Arizona, Texas, Ohio State. I mean, everybody recruits Southern California, but if Urban Meyer were the head coach at USC walking into those high schools, would he have the top three class guaranteed for the next three years no matter what? Yes. I can't imagine him fin- – I think he might win the recruiting crown. That, 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 yeah, I think he would. If you, if you think about the USC that USC was when we were kids – or even 15 years ago when they had Liner and Reggie Bush and the guys that he's on set with right now, that was the big bad wolf Alabama What is now. Mm-hmm. I think USC would be that again. With I, And I think Urban knows he would be viewed as a savior. He would bring them back to national prominence. He'd be able to recruit the shit out of California. And I haven't been using profanity on this podcast. I thought that was a perfect time to drop some profanity. I, I, I just I feel like that job more so than I ever did before. If he loves that building process, if he loves the chase, if he loves creating something that was down or rebuilding it back to what it once was, that USC has a lot of parallels to Ohio State, and he would get that. He built Ohio State. He handed it off to Ryan Day. Ryan Day now might win a national championship. Imagine if he won a national championship at a third straight place, like a one-man dynasty the way LeBron is in the NBA. Yeah, and I think he that and if, as he considers this, and again, I don't think he'll end up there, but I think he'll probably get a phone call. Um, I'm sure that's somewhere in the back of his mind. I can't. I, it's like I can't imagine why any AD would be like, "No, nah, I don't want him." Because, like, let's be honest. We got podcast honesty is important. We're in the trust tree, right? We're in the circle of trust. Everywhere he's gone, there have been problems off the field. And we're not going to get into the whether or not you believe it's his fault or you know, that stuff's not water under the bridge. But there have been off the field issues everywhere he's gone. That's not in the big. And I mean, the, in the two last big stops, Florida and Ohio State, to win at the biggest level. Yeah. I don't know if he got in trouble at Utah or not. I don't think so. But, you know, when you're talking about the juggernaut programs where it takes 
everything to go right to win a national championship, there have been issues. And I wonder if people would worry about that. Of course they do, yeah. And I wonder if it's enough of a worry for a place like USC to go, oh, no thanks. Because to me, if I'm USC's athletic director, I like, you know, the have you seen Coming to America? Several times. You know when they take the rose petals and they put it on the ground when the prince is walking? Yeah. I would like go to wherever Urban is and then do that all the way back to Los Angeles. From Columbus to L.A.? But, I mean, it's a it's a program that's literally been dormant since Pete Carroll left. How long, has it been 10 years of, of mediocre football down there now? Has it literally been 10 years already of them sucking? I think so. Per USC standard? That guy would get them out of that funk so fast their heads would spin. He absolutely would. I have no doubt yeah. about it. And he might, in, of all the realistic people you could actually hire who would be available, he's obviously the best one. Um, I think he's the only one who could do what you're talking about, and, and he could do it faster than anybody. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not on USC's end if you want him for the things that you mentioned and whether or not on his end if he wants it if he's ready to go back now because like you said he cares about he cares about his legacy clearly but that's twofold that's I can go to USC and win a third national championship or a third program and, and rebuild and, and reestablish another national power and be lauded for that, and also people will, people will think I'm a fraud and a liar yeah. because I retired again and came back again. So there's, there's multiple things to consider there. Yeah, I don't think that would be fair because, like, whatever he retired for what I consider to be a legitimate medical reason, and if he thinks he's past that and wants to go coach again, like whatever, all the power to him, go do it. I think it'd be good for college football if he went mid USC good again. Um, but there's a lot to consider there for him, and I don't think in the end, I'm not, I'm still not totally sure that USC wants him, and and the people who are saying that the USC probably doesn't want him, like Pete Thamel. Um, I would trust Pete's reporting on that because I don't know if there's anybody in the media who knows Urban better than Pete. Um, leads me to believe that he's not going to go there. I think they'll hire somebody else. Maybe they'll go after James Franklin, which would be interesting because James Franklin's got that kind of juice, I think, to recruit South, Southern California well too. Not maybe on the same level as Urban. Not on the same, definitely not on the same level as Urban, but. If you want to get that back and you can't get Urban and you had to take a step down, James Franklin is probably the best one to do it, right? It's just a matter of what you want. Do you want superstar recruiter who's going to go lock down Southern California yes. but has questionable <laughs> game day decisions? Or oh. do you want to go get a... I thought you were talking about Urban there before I interrupted you. Sorry. Or do you want to go get like Luke Fickle who isn't a rock star recruiter, maybe won't lock down... LA the way you'd like USC to lock down LA, but will probably coach his players better than James Franklin would. Talent. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Talent. Yeah, Always I, take the talent. I think I take Especially the, in a place like that. I think I take the recruiter too. Because Luke Fickle's name is going to get tossed around for that USC search because his, his the AD that hired him in Cincinnati is now the AD or going to be the AD at USC. Um I don't know about fit there. Luke's never been outside of Ohio. He's a good coach, I think. He's going to win 10 games again this year at Cincinnati. Um, I just don't, I don't know, know if that works there. I think you need a, I think you might need a big, you think, I don't think, I think you probably do need a bigger personality there. I think you need a big than, personality than there. Quick break here to talk to you guys about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually guys just brush it off or blame themselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or they avoid the topic altogether. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. 
With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com AB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com AB to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com AB for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com AB. Yeah. It's almost to me like Urban Meyer is the perfect match for them. And like when you think, like in my mind, if I were a USC fan, when you think about Urban Meyer and the potential that would come with that, and then you think about everybody else, it'd be a letdown. Sure, a, for a, sure, a pretty big one. Which why? It's why I'm. I bet. I mean, we're not in LA. There's got to be a ton of pressure out there for them to try to make a, a, a legitimate big swing at Urban. I just don't know if they will. Do you think they will? Even take take whether or not Urban would accept it out of it. Do you think USC will take a big swing at Urban? I can't imagine how they can't. I can't fathom how they can't. Unless, you know, the off the field thing is a real thing, but we're talking about a program that also hasn't really been the peak example of perfection when it comes to following the rules. So, you know, I, I uh, and it's not even a rules thing. It's just a matter of whether or not you believe Urban Meyer acted the right way with the Zach Smith stuff. But I, I just, that is the only reason why they wouldn't, right? Unless you you also are fearing that at any day he could leave. Oh, I don't worry about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Urban Meyer would win a national championship or play for a national championship within the first five years. Yeah, I think he'd get him in the playoff for sure. Um, Maybe year th- year two. He goes yeah. out there and signs a 2017 Ohio class, Ohio State class out there in LA. They run through the Pac-12 like it was. It was nothing, in my opinion. Yeah, and you wouldn't be hiring him for 10 years. You'd be hiring him for, you know, five to seven, like it was at Florida and Ohio State. And Mm -hmm. if you get that much, you're lucky. But you would contend for the playoff and win your conference while he was there. And then in theory, because he has left – I know he didn't leave Florida in the the best place, but he has left Ohio State in a pretty good place and I think learned a lot in the process of doing that. And I think you could feel confident that he could leave USC in a good place that – you could sustain whatever that program might look like over time, even if he were to leave, because he's not your answer. He's not your forever answer. But it's kind of a weird thing. Like he's not—he's not a bridge, and he's also not your. He's like the perfect combination of. of he's both. a paramedic. He's yeah. bringing you back to life, and then he's off doing his own thing again. But while bringing you back to life, he might also get you a ring or two. Yeah. Not just set you up for success, but like actually get you back on top. Urban Meyer's best asset as a coach is building and creating foundation. They just got to get talent. I, I can't imagine how USC doesn't have talent on that team. And maybe they do. I don't know. Are they like top 10 in the in the recruiting index? But that there's just too much talent in Southern California that's leaving Southern California for USC not to be the king of the Pac-12, especially considering the fact that Oregon also recruits California quite a bit. In the 2019 talent composite, USC is fourth mm-hmm. behind Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia. But there are only six five-star prospects on the roster, which is kind of low. It is low. It's, yeah. it's half of what Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia each have. And that shouldn't happen when you're in Southern California. But the problem is some of those five-star Southern Californias are on Ohio, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. It'd be very fun to watch Urban Meyer try to lock down L.A. 
the same way he did with Ohio's borders. Yeah. I wonder how successful he would be. I, 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 and I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming Pete Carroll had it locked down pretty good. But I don't think. <laughs> the battle for L.A. between Urban and his, his boy, Chip. There would be no battle. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's it just like, there's so many stories. There's, as a reporter, yeah. it would just be fun to cover. Yeah, it'd be great. I still, I just don't think. I don't the one think last thing, and then we'll we'll go on to the next thing. Bill is, we have to talk about his family and whether or not you think, based on what you know about him, that moving to California would be fun for him or a desire, or do you think Shelley would want to go? Because the thing you also have to admit is that is Nate a junior now? I believe he's a junior. Yeah. So he's got one more year of watching his son play baseball. That's important to him. That's in Ohio. You know, I guess like the odds on favorite for Urban to be. A coach might be in two years, but it's just a matter of the same thing that happened with the Ohio State job. He wasn't planning to get back into coaching um, at Ohio State when he took the sabbatical from Florida, and then the job that he thought he wanted or needed just happened to come open at that time. So like it's like if he passes on yeah. USC and then he's ready to coach a year from now or get hired a year from, in a year from next month, what would the next job be? I don't know. I mean, it could be anything. It could be Texas could be Oklahoma if Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL like there it's not like it's not like there aren't going to be good jobs available down the road where you Imagine can win national championships Tom Herman in Texas yeah <laughs> that'd be funny so many things yeah I mean I don't know Penn State could open I don't know if he'd go into the same league as Ohio State but yeah Notre Dame could have, like it's not it's not like if he passes on USC he's not going to get another chance down the road to coach at a program that can win a national championship I think USC is the epitome of perfection when it comes to what he might be looking for as the next step in his life yeah, it's I mean, separated it's, enough from all the programs that he has connections to. It's in a conference that's a Power 5 conference, but is definitely winnable. It could make the entire West Coast football relevant again, even though there's, you know, it's been hard to watch Pac-12 after dark because it's always only dark there. Um, the talent pool in the area that he would be taking, like, everything would line up. Yeah, yeah. It's kind like, of it taking looks- the USC job would be hard. The only other job that I think I might take is Texas. Or, I mean, put in the same level of talent, conference separation, ability to win the conference, and even then you have to face a juggernaut in Oklahoma that's going to probably contend or win the conference every year until something changes. So, yeah, like to me, like the perfect thing for Urban to do if he wants to get back into coaching um, would be to do that. I think he'd be more successful there than any other place. I don't disagree with that. Um, can I, how much time do we have left, Olaby? A few minutes. Can I just like vamp about Maryland? Sure. What do you got? I just want everybody to know that Loxley, I think was the right hire, but it has been an epic disaster there. And the reason why I think it's an epic disaster is because I want to read to you the 2020 top football recruits of Maryland and how many are going to Maryland. Did this took a weird turn? Kind of, but we're there already, so go for it. Of the top 20 players in the state of Maryland, none are going to Maryland. Yeah, in the not great. 2020 class. Ohio State's got the 19th best. Clemson's got the number one in every other program in America in between. And I'm just wondering if this is ever going to change. 
maybe Urban can be the head coach at Maryland. I would advise against becoming the head coach at Maryland if I were part of the team telling Urban what to do for this next for his next step. Um, yeah, I mean it should be better than that. And like Mike, like the thing is like Mike Loxley recruits the DMV, and I think he will. Um, I think it's hard to lock down twenty twenty recruits when you're getting blown off the field every week. Um, you know, there was some rhyme and reason why I did this, right? Nope. Talking about keeping players home, and there's one thing that we forgot to talk about in the coaching search. There is a chance that Greg Schiano will return to Rutgers, based on reports. So I brought up Maryland, Ohio State's opponent this week, to illustrate the fact that those programs are never going to be competitive unless they can do it. Do you buy Greg Schiano being the right fit for Rutgers um, in this whole conversation of coaching carousel? And if you were him, would you do it? If I were him, would I do it? Yeah, I would do it because the threshold to be considered successful there is pretty low. Um, competitive is relative. Like I don't think either of those two teams are ever going to be competitive in the Big Ten, but schedule three cupcakes, hope you beat Indiana. If you're Rutgers, hope you beat Maryland. If you're Maryland, hope you beat Rutgers and get a good draw to the West and you can win seven games and go to a bowl game and people will be happy with it. I don't think there's any disillusions at either of those programs that you'd ever be on the same footing as Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, or even Michigan State. Maybe Michigan State, um, but certainly not the top three. Competitive. Yeah. Like there are teams in the conference that are like Minnesota or Purdue. No, I don't think. Well, you can be Purdue. Yeah. I don't think you can be Minnesota. Minnesota's top end I think is pretty high. Um, Maryland can't be Minnesota? Maryland might be able to be Minnesota, but no. But Maryland's in the East, so no. Like Minnesota can win the West. Minnesota, PJ Fleck can build Minnesota to a point where it is le- legitimately contending and winning the West more often than it's not. And Maryland will never get there as long as Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan yeah. exist. Yeah. Um. So no, it can't get on that level. But um, I think you can get bowl eligible for sure at both of those programs and win seven, eight games a year. Greg Schiano, when he was at Rutgers, um. He won 11 games. He maxed out at 11 games, but in his last six years there, it was 11 wins, 8 wins, 8 wins, 9 wins, 4 wins, and 9 wins. Um, he went to a bowl game six, seven years, but he only had a winning conference winning conference record four times in the 11 years he was there, and he's considered the greatest coach that program has ever had. Winning record in his conference four times in 11 years. Granted, it was in the Big East um, and the Big Ten. But do you think he difficult. can do it again in the modern-day setup? Do I think he can do what? That again. What you just read off from his first stint. You think he can match that? No, but I don't think he has to match that to be considered successful. I think he has to win six games to be considered successful. Rutgers sucks. Sucks is an understatement. My only point is, is like now that it's in another conference and other teams are recruiting New Jersey, the thing that Greg Schiano did the best, and we've done this from reporting in New Jersey, is that he owned relationships with every major college football high school coach in that area. That's why he has to be the hire if you're Rutgers. He is up every single day recruiting these kids in New Jersey and keeping them home. And it didn't seem like they were trying or were recruiting the right way from some of the reports that we saw from our friends at NJ.com. I looked at more numbers for this. You did? Last five recruiting cycles, there have been 33 top 300 players in the state of New Jersey. Rutgers got three of them and none in the last three classes. So they got three in Chris Ash's first two years and then none in the last three years. Or I guess really one year for Chris Ash. Um, But 18, 19, and 20, there were 20 top 300 national prospects in the state of New Jersey and not one of them signed with Rutgers or is committed to Rutgers. And And all of them put them in the top five though, right? And I think Greg Schiano 
So in the last five years, Rutgers has gone three for 33. I think Greg Schiano can maybe go like eight for 33 or nine for 33. And for a program like Rutgers, I think that is a legitimate upgrade. I think that gets you to winning football games. And you also have to change the way you schedule. Schedule three cupcakes, guarantee, your, guarantee yourself three wins every year. Then hope you can find three more in the Big Ten and get to a bowl game. And you'll be lauded as the savior of the program again. And then again, maybe you can go somewhere else. I don't know what Greg Schiano wants. Um, I still think he probably wants to be a head coach. I don't think he could get a top-end or even like mid-level Power 5 job. But I think he can go to Rutgers and kind of rebuild himself a little bit and get that kind of job down the road. But I think Rutgers would be a good first step for him because it's the, the, the level you have to achieve to be considered successful is minimal, and I think he can get there. Also, I think he loves New Jersey. He does love New Jersey. First thing I would do if I were the head coach of Rutgers is to petition to change the team name to New Jersey State. I think they'd be better. Do you think they would get more recruits if their name was New Jersey State, if that was the only thing that changed? 100%. <laughs> Me too. Me too. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming in and spending the day with us. And I'm always awkward at these endings, so I'm just going to cut it short. Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman, we'll catch you on Thursday. Subscriber-only podcast, 4 to 6 with A and B. Have a good rest of your week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.